Pacino number 15. My guest today is a professor of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, he's been a competitive bodybuilder, a boxer, a kickboxer. He's a dad. Uh, and apparently was even once considered for the lead role in John Wick. I'm teasing, Matt, I'm teasing. Uh, my absolute pleasure to introduce uh, my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu prof, as uh, along with the many people on the Hibiscus Coast, Professor Matt. So we always do a pop quiz round, my friend. Yes, yes. All right, here we go. So, the best action movie ever made is... Terminator. Oh, bless. <laughs> if you didn't have to sleep, what would you do? Um... Watch jiu-jitsu videos. Yeah, guilty as charged. Uh, this one. If you were a pro wrestler, not a BJJ uh, person or a kickboxer, if you were a pro wrestler in the WWE, what would your intro song be? Intro song. As you're walking down to the ring and trying to get the crowd all pumped up? I would have to be, I'm going to knock you out. Nice. LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah, yeah LL Good cool work, J. yeah, good work. Okay, so dinner for five. Uh, at your place uh, there's you and four others now not your family members because everybody does that and that's yes, the easy yes. way out who else would you have at your dinner table so am I looking for four or five other people you're looking for four four other people I'd have to have uh, I think Donald Trump would be quite interesting yeah um, whether you like him or not it'd be interesting yeah um, I'd probably choose Arnold Schwarzenegger maybe yeah I think he's got a good mindset it'd be interesting as well uh, maybe Rupert Murdoch um, and possibly a couple of who would be a couple of New Zealand uh, New Zealand interests um, John Key would be very interesting there you go alright I think is that four that's, that's four. four that's all good uh, cheat day what does it look like for you cheat day yeah um, so let's get <laughs> Pro Professor Matt at his absolute worst what's your worst day look like when you are uh, Eating whatever you want and doing whatever you want. Um, well, I don't eat, I don't eat white meat or red meat, yep. uh, so that would still be out of the question. Um, but it'd probably involve maybe some pizza, yep. um, some vegetarian pizza. Um, definitely ice cream is a weakness for me. Nice. Um, so, yep. lots of ice cream. Yeah, looks like it as well. Uh, Discordly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's your hero from childhood? Hero from childhood. Um. Somebody when you're sort of seven or eight, you thought, yeah, actually, you know what? That's who I want to be, or that's who I'd like to be. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme was pretty cool nice. back, in, back in the day. Um, can you do the splits? No, not anymore. Yeah. Possibly 20 years ago. All right, get up. <laughs> no worries. Uh, and what are you most afraid of? Afraid of? Um, big waves. Nice. I don't like big waves. No, that's, that's fine. That scares me. That's fair enough. Right. Okay, so... Uh, getting into our, uh, sort of the, the meat and potatoes here, why martial arts? Uh, well, originally when I was young, at the age of about nine, I had a spinal injury. And by the age of 12, I had major spinal surgery. And that kept me out of ordinary Kiwi sports like rugby and rugby league um, because I wasn't allowed any heavy impact on my spine. Um, so after the surgery, um, I was also very inflexible. Um, so I took up Taekwondo uh, actually to start getting some flexibility back. And um, from there, I pretty much continued. Um, I did Taekwondo for about four years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I was a skinny bugger. Um, 
still am skinny if I don't eat like a horse. Yeah. Um, and so by the age of about 17 or so, I started lifting some weights as well and sort of moved away a little bit from the martial arts. Uh, and then by the age of 20, 21, I was pretty big, but actually my fitness was terrible because I just focused on weightlifting. Yeah. And uh, so by then, I actually wanted to change. I, I was helping my da- stepdad dig a hole, and he was, uh, you know, a lot older than me, and he could dig more holes and better holes than me because I was I was big and strong, but super unfit. Yeah. So I decided to get back into um, some training, and I started uh, doing boxing, um, and then progressed into uh, doing some kickboxing, and then at the age of thirty, started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Which brings me on to the next question: What is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Because you'll love this. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started about eight weeks ago in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Loving that journey as well, by the way. But uh, so my mum went out and saw a uh, person that she goes and sees. It's like a six-down in karate and says, hey, what's Brian up to? She goes, oh, he's doing uh, Brazilian taekwondo, I think it is. <laughs> and he rolled around and laughed. He says, oh, I think you mean Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So when people say to you, hey, what's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, what do you say to them? Um, I, I basically tell them, um, predominantly for me, uh, it's a self-defense martial art. Yeah. Um, it's a martial art that... Um, we use to control people, uh, so we use leverage um, and uh, sweeps and manipulation to actually control uh, our opponent or, or our attacker. So, you know, with with punching and kicking, you can do quite a lot of damage, and so jujitsu uh, is about closing the distance, uh, potentially getting the person to the ground. Uh, controlling them uh, on the ground and then from that um, uh, the submission is basically uh, um, something that comes after you've controlled the person Um, and also it's great for if you take um, kids for example if they can use that as a situation where they don't have to punch or maybe they can control someone or a bully on the ground until the teacher gets there um, then then that's uh, then that's really good for them too yeah, and um, like my wife's seen some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, videos on TV. She said, it looks like just basically, she's don't take this the wrong way, it just looks like people having a cuddle. And she goes, I know that there's like pressure there and everything else, but it looks like really effective, but it looks kind of non-effective at the same time. And I said, yeah, that's perfect. So um, why Taekwondo when you first started off? Was it just like the local club? or? Yeah, it was just a, a local club and I had a couple of other school um, friends that, that did it um, back in the early days and it was nice and local uh, to us and the instructors at the time um, that we had were, were really fun so they made our our learning um, journey uh, yeah. fun, uh, you know. And yeah. and, I, and now as an instructor I, I constantly have to reflect on what I enjoyed when I was a child and I try to, I try to bring that forward with our kids' classes as yeah. well. You know, the the juniors, which are our sort of six to, to nine year olds, is really about fun, focused learning, yeah. um, and less around, um, you know, the 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 hundred percent correctness of technique, because if you um, if you're hard on the kids at that age and you're just concentrating on technique then you don't get any longevity you don't have any stickability with the kids and they disappear before they can actually start learning the good stuff yep. so if you can keep it fun for the kids <coughs> then you'll grow your, your club organically because you won't have a high turnover yeah and let's face it look most people won't do stuff if it doesn't have an element of fun to it anyway absolutely yeah absolutely so um 
when you were a kid, who was you've already answered John Claude Van Damme, but <laughs> what what was the appeal of John Claude Van Damme? Was it the high kicks? Was it the splits? Or just the complete package? Yeah, just a uh, you know, action hero. Yeah. The flashy kicks, yeah. the big spinning kicks. Yeah. Um, so it's just something that I that I thought that would be pretty cool to be uh, able to do that sort of stuff. That hairstyle that never wavered. Yeah, that's right. Um, Saying to a bald, yeah, yeah. from a bald man to yeah. a bald man. So, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you take up boxing, you take up kickboxing. You went to Thailand and trained in kickboxing? Uh, I've done um, a, a few uh, camps over there. Yeah. Um, I did, did a main one for five weeks over there uh, at Tiger Muay Thai, and they had, uh, they had kickboxing, obviously uh, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, and they had uh, jiu-jitsu there. So I was training uh, three times a day um, uh, over there. Yeah. But my, uh, my ex partner's uh, dad lived over there because yep. he was contracted uh, over there for, for his job so we used to go over there um, quite a lot and yep. every time I'd go over there I'd just find a gym to train at. Yeah. Um, was that a bit of a culture shock the whole sort of training with the Thais because I, I know people have trained with uh, Thai kickboxing schools or academies over there and they say wow it's just like a, going to a different level. Yeah. yeah 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 no it is it's pretty hard you know the, the classes some of the Thai classes over there were like two hours long and the warm ups were epic and then yeah. you do your training and then you do your sparring and then the warm the warm downs were like uh, 200 press ups 200 sit ups um, yeah. so uh, you know after a week my whole body was <laughs> cramping and, and uh, yeah I, I remember I had a, um, a, a after the first week I, I found a uh, one of the local massage places there and I, I just about kicked the lady off the table because she was massaging my calves and my hamstring cramped up and then once that one cramped up the other one cramped up and <laughs> I was rolling around screaming and she, she ran out of the room and grabbed her other little Thai lady friend and came back in and they saw me rolling around grabbing both my hamstrings. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, what do you reckon <laughs> the biggest barrier to people doing martial arts is? Probably the first step, I would say, coming yeah. in and giving it a go, um, yeah. and realizing that it's not as scary uh, as scary as it as it seems, you know. And and this is something that me and and uh, uh, Dawn have been discussing is that you know um, competition is always good um, for people and for kids, yeah. uh, but it's not for everybody. No. And I'd rather somebody not compete but carry on learning the discipline uh, and learning how to protect themselves and learning how to be more self confident. Then be pushed into competition and disappear because they don't because they don't want to do it. Yeah, um, and I don't know about you, but I get lots of my mates saying to me, "Oh, hey Brian, I know you do martial arts. Do you wanna? Would you mind coming down to the school? It's almost like I'm gonna hold their hand during the class. I'm like, dude, I've never done this martial art before. It's gonna be a matter of survival for me as well. And they're like, yeah, oh okay. So yeah, there is that kind of safety in numbers because you, you know you get people kept turning up in twos and threes trying to learn, and then they sort of drop out a little bit. Um, what, there's lots of people say that there's some huge life lessons that you can learn in martial arts. Um, what do you reckon the biggest life lesson that you've ever learned from martial arts is? Um, I guess it's around stickability, around setting goals um, and doing bite-sized goals. You know, you don't just get your black belt overnight. Uh, in fact, it took me 14 years to get my black belt in, in Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. Um, it's something that I didn't achieve in Taekwondo and I, and I probably 
I, I should have stuck it out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, it was a goal, um, but it's about doing bite sized chunks and about setting small goals along the way, you know. And, and I think goal setting is one of the key things that everybody should do. And, you know, every year I would reset my goals, uh, and whether it be to go in a competition or whether it be to achieve my next belt or whether it be to do something with business or something with family or something around the home. Yeah. Um, you find if you write your goals and you read your goals, um, your your goals do become reality. So that's that's probably something that martial arts has has helped with uh, a lot is is goal setting, and actually setting your mind to something, yeah. and sticking to it through adversity. Yeah, um, there's that famous saying that says a black belt is a white belt who just never gave up, that's which right. I really love. Yep, that's yeah. right. Um, and there's another one that somebody said to me years ago. They said to me, you know. Um, a black belt is just that person who just kept turning up and kept turning up and kept turning up um, it's the people that sort of drop out they, those are the people that never ever get a black belt but we'll talk about how how long it takes you to get a black belt later on because I don't think some people actually realise how big the sacrifice is <laughs> um, if you could train with anybody in yes. any martial art yes. who's it going to be and what would the martial art be uh, it would have to be Brazilian Jiu Jitsu yep. um, and it would probably be someone like uh, uh, Marcelo Garcia I would say yeah um, or Eddie Bravo, um, oh, because they're two of the pioneers of the sport. Yep. Um, I, I say that, like the Gracies obviously were the pioneers of the sport, um, but these guys have such a, uh, um, a great way of thinking about the sport, a different way of thinking about the sport, and if I could train with them and pick their brains and, and get annihilated by them, that would be <laughs> probably be quite a lot of fun. You know, there's, there's not many martial arts that you could actually go and train with your oh, well, not martial arts there's not many sports that you can go and train with your heroes right like yeah. uh, one of our guys that we train with Martinez he had the opportunity to go to New York um, and um, he tried to get a session with Marcelo Garcia it was a, was quite a lot of money US dollars yeah uh, I think it was about 800 US dollars for an hour of training with, with uh, Marcelo Garcia but you just couldn't do that. If you wanted to play basketball with uh, a Michael Jordan, yep. you couldn't do it for eight hundred dollars. No, you know, if no. you wanted to, if you wanted to play rugby, rugby with uh, uh, Dan Carter, yep. uh, you know, for an hour, you, you just couldn't do it. So, what other sports are there that you could go and pay yep. eight hundred bucks and and spend an hour with one of your heroes? You know, yeah, it's exactly. pretty cool. And that's it. I think that lots of New Zealanders don't realise that. I was lucky enough to go to Randy Couture's gym and meet Randy Wall. Yeah, he was there and. Train, Legend. Yeah, train with Ray Sefo and yeah. a few others there as well. Um, but people don't realise that you can actually go to these places and say, if you do, you've obviously got to do it months in advance on the internet, is there any chance that I could train with blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. That's so like you say, you know, and uh, man, what you learn in five minutes from those guys, yeah. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Lots of parents put their kids into martial arts at an early age and they either drop out at high school level, from what I've seen, to play yes. sport. Yes. So what's the best advice that you, we, that you reckon you can give a parent to get their kids started in martial arts? You know, some you get some of those parents, they come in and go, I'd like him to learn a martial arts so that he can protect himself or protect herself. What's the best advice you'd give to a parent if they were going to say, hey, like, but they, I think they should learn a martial art. Um, you know, why should they learn a martial art type stuff? Uh, why should they learn a martial art? I think I think martial arts is great um, for self-discipline, um, being able to learn respect for yourself and for others. Um, but I think a key thing is is to actually do something that's going to make them a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And I I think f as far as the parents go, if I could give advice to the the parents, 
it would be to not let your kids stop something too easily just because they say they don't like something one week don't pull them out the next week because uh, you know especially with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a lot of other martial arts there's gonna be times where training is tough and there's gonna be times when you're getting squashed and there's gonna be times when you know you put in really uncomfortable situations and uh, that's what makes us better and stronger at the end of the day and if you if you give up just because you're being put in a tough situation, then that's gonna set the tone for the rest of your life, you know, and you're yeah. always gonna take the easy road out. And most kids given an opportunity uh, would spend time on their devices uh, rather than doing something proactive, you know, yeah. like playing sports or doing martial arts. So um, just getting the kids out of the house uh, is, is is key, I think, whether it be martial arts or, or other sports. And, and so we, one of our girls, did uh, did jujitsu for a little bit, but she wanted to change, and we said, "Let's fine, but you have to, you can't just stop um, without replacing it with something else." Yep. So you always, I think, you always have to replace it with something else. But one of the best things about jujitsu is you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, and I think that that helps with a lot of different things in life. Yeah, and I think um, like for me, the big thing is with kids; they've got so many things going on. You actually have to say, hey, look, you if you want to get good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or you want to get good at netball, you've actually got to focus on maybe one or two as opposed to six, yeah, um, which is a big issue as well. So I'm going to ask you a question because I get this, I, I get asked this question heaps from my mates who have never done any martial arts or combats at all, but I'm going to get your perspective on it. How do you explain after you've been punching or grappling with somebody for close to half an hour, 40 minutes, the level of respect that fighters show one another at the end of the bout. You know, when you give one another a hug, you hold up their hand and say, this guy's a champion bloke or this girl's a champion champion. How do you explain that respect to somebody else after they've just been trying to push your nose <laughs> through your face or, you know, make sure that you can't walk straight for the next week? Well, I, I think the I think the main thing is is that you can't do it by yourself, right? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. It's just, if you if you boxed by yourself, it would just be shadow boxing. Yeah. Uh, if you were doing jujitsu by yourself, you'd just lo look like you were rolling around on on the ground doing roly polies and yeah. backwards rolls. So uh, you have to respect the other person for hopping in there with you, um, because without that there is there is no one else you'd be yeah. doing it by yourself um, and you're both uh, giving each other respect because you're you're both basically uh, showing each other what your skills are made of you know it's all the hard work that you've both put in uh, to then come together to see basically who's been training harder who's been training longer who's been who's been putting in the hard work you know so you have to respect the work that's gone in beforehand the fight is actually the smallest part of of what you're doing yeah. uh it's it's the six eight weeks training camp before that it's the it's the 10 years hard training before that that gets you to the point where you're at so it's very hard not to respect someone who's put in the same level of hard work uh, as you have yeah um which brings me on to the next question because again i get asked this quite a bit and i'm like look dude you talk to anybody who's got any in not ranking in the martial arts world but if anybody's got any experience in the martial arts world and they'll just go ah oh, whatever what martial art beats what martial art yeah um, you know does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu beat uh, you know like uh, kickboxing does kickboxing beat this does that and blah 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 and everything else what are your thoughts on that because for me that is just like a pointless argument <laughs> I'm like look, okay look if I start off in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a uh, as a white belt and I grapple with uh, maybe yourself as a black belt it's quite obvious who's going to win that there's yeah. no dramas right uh, 
it's different variables it's different people's skills it's their their mindset that and look, let's face it everybody has a bad day as well um, so what do you what do you think to that argument do you think it's futile as well this sort of my martial arts better than yours and this beats that type stuff well I definitely think there's there's levels to martial arts yeah. uh, you know some are based around uh, flexibility and control maybe like Tai Chi some yeah. some are, are based um, purely around um, self-defense aspects like Krav Maga yeah. um, you know but the Gracies certainly made a point when they came into the UFC uh, and it was an open forum, open weights, open time limits and they did prove that at that point uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was uh, the best martial art in the world but yeah. you know 20 years has gone by and uh, that is no longer the case I believe because mixed martial arts in itself is now uh, a complete system you yeah. know and in order to uh, beat somebody you can't just be good at Brazil Brazilian Jiu Jitsu you can't just be a good wrestler you have to have a full gamut of skills under your belt um, to be able to take on the top guys you know I mean if you take uh, Israel Adesanya at the moment you know he's such high level kickboxing but he's also focused on not being taken to the ground. You know, yeah. it's very hard to choke somebody out if you can't get them to the grounds. You know, so they're almost doing anti-jujitsu training to make sure that uh, that he never gets taken to the ground. And yeah. if he does get taken to the ground, he, sh he sure as hell scrambles, you know, like a legend to get back up again to get the game back into his world, which is stand up. You know, you can have the best uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter in the world, and if he gets kicked in the head or, or punched in the chin, then he's going to be knocked out. And you can have the best kickboxer in, in the world, but he if he doesn't have the ground skills and he gets taken to the ground, yeah, then then it's a different different ball game. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. And it's it's just that thing of you know, like I said, you know, everybody has a bad day, different levels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, uh, Conor McGregor versus Khabib, yeah, perfect example. Yeah, you know, yeah, if Conor's one of Conor's punches had landed, exactly. maybe, but Khabib is obviously the far better wrestler, yeah. uh, jujitsu practitioner, so. It's quite yeah. obvious. One one good punch can knock uh, anybody. Could knock anyone out. Yeah. So you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, and everybody's got a punch's chance as well. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, best UFC or MMA fighter of all time, in your opinion, is who? Of all time. Um, and I'm going all the way back to sort of the the dirty Tank Abbott days and oh, yeah, those types like, of people. I yeah. did like Tank Abbott. Yeah. He, he was a bit of a legend. Those Not, guys, those guys were always good. Eh, Victor yeah. Belford. Uh, Tank Abbott, Chemo, yep. Oh, yep. those guys were awesome to watch. Um, I would have to say um, uh, um, George St. Pierre mm. would be one of the best all-round, all-time fighters, uh, even coming back, um, you know, he, mm. he, he cleaned up uh, Bisbing yep. um, and uh, showed that he's he still got it, even at a higher weight class, so yep. I would say uh, I would say he's probably one of the best best fighters. Well, Shane, we've spoken about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and how it sort of started off the Ultimate Fighting Championship and where that's gone from and Dana White's obviously a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner with a whole bunch of others there. Do you think now that the sort of martial side of the UFC is disappearing? When you first started off you had lots of people there uh, like BJ Penn, one of my favourites you know, always showing respect to people the, the humility well that's one of the big things we talk about in martial arts you know always stay humble learn the lesson blah 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 and to me that seems to be going what do you think about that in the UFC 
Yeah, I think it's becoming more like WWE now, yeah. you know, with all the smack talk and all the rubbish. Yeah. Um, and, and I can see why they do it. You know, they've got to make it commercially viable. They've got to, they've got to get people excited by the fighters trash talk, talking each other, even if they don't behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah. They don't have any problems with each other. Yeah. You know, it's all just about selling tickets. So, yeah. uh, I don't know if it's setting the right example for uh, um, for the youth if yeah. they're if that's what they want to do because it's not about creating thugs. It's actually about creating uh, about creating better humans. You know, and yeah. I think that's the responsibility of the gym owners, uh, yeah. not the UFC, to actually make sure that they've got respect with inside the gyms. Um, the, the UFC is just a, just a catalyst for for the for the fighters to make money, really. But it's it's up to the gym owners to keep the respect with inside the sports. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you spoke about your black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu taking you 14 years. Yes. On the grading day. Yes. What is a what does a black belt grading look like in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Uh, well, different clubs have different uh, have different um, grading uh, methodologies. Yeah. Um, some uh, some guys, some clubs just hand out their black belts yeah. um, uh, based on the, you know years of hard training and watching roll and competitions and stuff like that. Um, the the club I uh, am under at the moment, uh, obviously I, I run Coast Academy Jiu Jitsu, yeah. but we're part of Tukaha uh, as well, which is uh, there's clubs uh, all over all over Auckland and New Zealand and. And I think there's a couple over in there's one in Hong Kong and I believe one over in Singapore as well. Um, so and that's all under Pedro Fernandez and and he basically for his gradings, uh, once you're nominated to go for your belt or your instructor nominates you to go for your belt, uh, you have to put together uh, a demonstration uh, and that demonstration basically um, should consist of um, some self-defense aspects, um, some throws and takedowns. Uh, and then some grappling uh, and ground skills and submissions along the way. Um, and, and so for a black belt, that's you've got to do an eight minute demonstration. Uh, and then after that, um, basically we all, all the guys getting graded will sit down on the ground and Pedro sets the clock at 20 minutes. And uh, everyone else who's at the grading comes around and chokes you and strangles you and and that's basically about um, saying no matter what level you are um, you know you, you should stay humble um, you should still be able to tap out to people and it sort of uh, keeps keeps your humility I guess yeah because um, one of the things that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is famous for is the shark tank yep yeah do you want to explain to the people that have got no idea what shark tank is? Is it the uh, well, shark bait or what? Yeah, whip, where we're basically, or? you know, we're rolling at the end of the class there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rather than having that minutes break, it's basically just that five minutes and we keep on going and keep on going and yeah, keep yeah, on yeah. going. And like you say, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you don't have, uh, it's a little bit like um, Aikido in that way, I guess, where you don't have this thing of only the black belts train with the black belts, you know. So very often you can have a white belt rolling yeah. with a black belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I'm going to say as a white belt, it's it's not enjoyable, but it's a lesson learning <laughs> thing. Um, so the, so you get that as well. Can you remember from the day uh, what your sort of biggest takeaway was from the day, uh, apart from the fact that you know you never just because it's the color of a belt, it's a it's a color of a belt, and that you could be choked out by anybody. Can you remember sort of thinking to yourself, "Thank goodness that's over," or you know what is that eight minutes gone by already? Or yeah, well, it was, it was pretty nerve-wracking. In fact, I, I was watching some of the other um, other guys do their presentations before me because the black belts do theirs last. And um, 
uh, watching the other guys do their presentations, I started to forget what I was supposed to do. So, <laughs> so I walked away and I isolated myself a little bit because I was just starting to get confused. Yeah. Um, I was starting to take away from my routine, watching everybody else do their routine. So I, I sort of isolated myself a little bit, waited for my time to come, then, then did my eight minutes. But the the biggest takeaway, I guess, for me was, uh, you know, it's about it was about overcoming a lot of adversities. I had quite a few surgeries uh, along the years um, from all my martial arts and, and, and training, shoulder surgeries and knee surgeries, and obviously when I was young, my spinal fusion. And, and there was a lot of times that I you know, had to push myself to, to come back onto the mats, uh, to keep training and to keep going. And that was a mental, uh, that was a mental struggle, you know, like after you've had a big shoulder surgery, uh, making sure you do all the rehab, making sure you, you know, get back into training slowly and don't push yourself too hard. And, and it's actually sitting on the, on the sidelines and, and still going to training and still watching the other guys. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, that, I think that was one of the biggest things is actually overcoming all of those things to carry on. To, to get to, uh, I would say I would say my goal at the time, um, but once you've got your black belt, uh, I think it's just a whole new level of learning after yeah. that. You know, it never stops. There's always people um, who are better than you. There's always people coming up with new stuff. There's always body shapes you have trouble with. There's there's always stuff to figure out. You know, it's like a never-ending game of chess that you can never have all the answers yeah. for uh, f or do all the problem solving for. So you just have to try to become a better problem solver and, and you know, um, try to try to keep progressing and keep moving so for me the black belt has now been the start of of a new journey yeah. um, towards passing on the knowledge I've got improving my game still uh, and uh, basically giving giving back to the community now with with the stuff that I'm doing with the kids and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff and for those people that don't know um, because coming from a different martial art, your grading system's a bit different. What's the story? Like, so you start off with with a white belt, and then you guys do stripes through your grades. Well, some of the grades anyway for adults. So, how, how do you get your first stripe in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Um, basically, you just got to keep turning up. Yeah. <laughs> so, for us, we've got we've got a minimum requirement of, of classes that you should do. Yeah. Um, and what it, what's that look like to you? Um, when you're a white belt, it should be about 20 classes yeah. uh, minimum. Yeah. Um, but you also, it can't be 20 classes over two years, you know. No, so it has exactly. to be yeah. it has to be 20 yeah. consecutive classes or show up a couple of times every week and you have to show that you're starting to learn stuff. Um, and so even when you go for your belt, uh, the good thing about it is not kata-based. It's it's no. basically, um, and, and for those who don't know, katas are set patterns that you have to learn, um, like a choreographed dance that most martial arts do in order to get your, in order to get your, your, your new belt whereas jiu-jitsu is you know semi-performance based proving that the things that you're learning uh, are applicable on the mat in a live rolling situation and until you can sort of prove that you've got the basic knowledge and you can keep out of trouble and you can get into better situations and you control somebody else at a lower level than you It'll take a long time for you to, to yeah. grade up. Maybe that's why it took me 14 years. I don't know. Oh, Slow yeah, learner. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> the injury's left in there as well. Yeah. yeah. And like my wife would say there's nothing worse than a martial artist who's got an injury sitting on the sideline. Mm. She said it's like living next to a bear that's got a sore head and is being poked with a stick. Exactly. It so is. Good. Yeah. Which brings me on to the next thing because I think lots of people don't do this when they look at their martial arts schools. And when they say to me, what do you think the most important thing is? I always say this. I say, look at people's lineage. Yeah. Um, because you and I both know that there are so many 
what I call snake oil salespeople. Yes, indeed. Who yeah. have trained under Grandmaster Poobah, blah, blah, blah. And then you look at it and it's like, well, actually, you never, ever have. Um, is, is that important for you? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, there is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of rubbish out there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people taking money for um, stuff that potentially uh, doesn't work. Yeah. But, you know, even in respects to martial arts that perhaps aren't that applicable uh, as far as street fighting or yeah. self-defense or whatever goes, in, in my perspective, as long as, as long as they're not being told that their chi balls can uh, take out a whole army of, of ninja warriors and that they're told that uh, you know this is more around fitness and mindfulness and flexibility take for example Tai Chi again yeah. um, you know as long as it's not being sold as a killer martial art and when people go in there they realize you know yes I'm doing this so to gain some flexibility to, to gain some muscular strength um, you know like yoga or something like that mm -hmm. as long as they know what they're getting in for um, and, and that somebody at the top's not telling them that with this uh, pressure point touch on the earlobe they're going to be able to take any man down yeah. um, then then I don't really have a problem with it yeah. but people you know they, they need to be aware of of, uh, of people out there selling selling rubbish telling them something that could potentially be harmful for them later down the track you know if you're going to fight with a big man and think they're going to pinch their earlobe and knock them out then they're going to be in a world of hurt at the end of the day sounds like you and I have read some of the same <laughs> magazines just quietly um, yeah so yeah um, and like if you go onto um, the Coast PJJ site you can see uh, Prof Matt's lineage all the way back to the Gracies and beyond yep. so, that's, so it's all there so, and that's what I always say to people like you want to see the certificates they're there up on the wall knock yourself out that's the, that's the important thing which brings me on to another subject self defence like self defence courses I always say to people um, and I've done self-defense courses, so don't get me wrong, there is some, something in them. But I always say to people, that's kind of like a taster. That's the thing that you want to do, and then maybe look at doing some regular training. Because if I'm teaching you self-defense moves, uh, I always say to people, the analogy I always give them is, it's like me turning up for an all-back training session for four weeks, and then the Rugby World Cup final happens, and Steve Hansen's looking around in the ground for somebody and goes, Hey, there's Matt up in the crowd there. Uh, he's trained with us four or five times. He can come down and handle this pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I always say to people, people, you know, it's a great start, but don't just rely on that five weeks of self-defense you've done because in six years' time, chances are in the heat of that moment, if I say to you, lift up your left foot, you're going to go, which one's my left foot? Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah Do you agree with that or you don't agree? 100%, 100%. Yeah. If... We, we have a, um, uh, a, a fundamentals class that basically uh, goes over all the self-defense curriculum and the BJJ fundamentals ground positions and we roll that over about every three months we roll that over and we'll be starting again that, again in the new year. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people you can't just do it once because you learn something once even if you drill it um, for two classes at the end of the day if you don't if you don't have instant recall of something, by the time your mind's gone back and tried to collect the information, you could be dead or put to sleep. Yep. You know, if somebody comes and grabs you from behind, round, round the back of the throat, you need to have done that over and over and over again, over a series of, of weeks, months, and years, yep. um, to be able to have that instant recall. If you do it for one class, or do a five-week block course and get your certificate, it doesn't mean you're safe. It, it means that's the beginning of your journey and you should be practicing that you know 
if not weekly then you know going to do refreshes at least every year of yeah. the same course so that if something does happen like you say um it's not too late you know yeah. by the time you recall that information and you try to and you try to realize what the escape was you could already be unconscious or dead yeah. like, or, or like i always had a bill customato who was mike tyson's trainer yeah always said constant repetition brings automatic reaction yeah and to me that's probably the biggest quote um which brings me on to the next question martial arts in the movies rubbish or not rubbish most of the stuff you see oh well it's all choreographed you know yeah. um so uh, i would and there's some legitimate stuff in there, you yeah. know, and uh, and I think even a lot of the actors do some uh, do some training. You know, I know John Wick, as you mentioned before, yeah, yeah, he yeah. actually got on the gear and started doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu to, yeah. to get better for his role. And I yeah. and I hope he's uh, I hope he's kept it up. I hope yeah, Keanu's yeah. kept it up. But yeah. um, but yes, there's certainly some legitimate stuff. And the, and the funny thing is, you're seeing, you're starting to see more and more jiu-jitsu techniques uh, mm. inside movies now. You know, before with the Jean Claude Van Dams yeah. and and yeah. the Steven Seagulls and that sort of stuff, yeah. that was the flavor of the month. Right. So everyone was you know Steven Seagal was doing his Aikido stuff yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme was doing his his spinning back kicks and stuff like that and now of course with the popularity of Jiu Jitsu you're starting to see some triangles and some yeah. arm bars yep. and <laughs> which were which I'm going to ask you the question because I know where it was for me and believe it or not it was actually in a movie in the 80s as well where was the first place you saw Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um, I, for me it would have been um, the UFC's um, yep. yeah me and me and a uh, old mate of mine we used to like uh, get the old videos of, of yes, the original yep. ones you know yep. and watch UFC 1 and then we used to we used to stream stuff when you could stream stuff yep. and and used to download the the, the little movies of yep. uh, of Tank Abbott and all those guys and uh, I would say that would be the first time I saw it with the Thai subtitles underneath <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I, I yeah I can't recall the first time I saw it in a movie but definitely the first time I saw Jiu Jitsu was uh, was in the very early UFC's go and check this out then especially for all the old timers who are listening Lethal Weapon the very first movie oh really yeah the very end Mel Gibson triangle chokes somebody and I remember watching it as it comes up it was one of the graces that oh really yeah Mel Gibson <laughs> yeah, so there you go so um, so question for you then as sort of two mature martial artists why do fighters hold on for so long um, if you've seen the Chuck Liddell TWT's fight recently uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah what um, Ali versus Trevor Burbick there's a whole pile of them. What do What do you think fighters hang on for so long? I think if they've got that um, that competitive will to win, um, they're always going to think that they can do one more, one more, one more. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it can be uh, money as well. You yeah. know, I think um, it was with Bellator, wasn't it? I yeah. think you know Bellator's throwing around some money yeah. um, uh, to the old school guys to bring back some super fights. So I think that's definitely an enticement. Um, but if you look at someone like Gary Goodrich, who now suffers from uh, early onset dementia from brain trauma. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's got to be a time when when enough is enough, and mm. uh, you know he struggles to live day by day. Uh, yeah. I've watched a documentary on him; actually, it's really really sad. Yeah. He just had one fight too many, and and because he wasn't really trained to do anything else, every time he got offered a fighting situation, it would feed his family, and yeah. unfortunately, it's been to the detriment of his uh, mm. uh, of his health, and and he's got um, you know brain damage from it. So I think, you know, there has to be a point in time where. You have to say enough's enough. I need to be able to be, uh, you know, um, onto it and cognitive. And during my later years, yeah. not a dribbling mess with someone wiping, yeah, yeah exactly. wiping my yeah. dribble for yeah, me yeah. for the rest of my life, yeah. you know, and forgetting. Well, I'm bad at forgetting my car keys. Yeah, um, but but uh, you know, you can't leave it too long. And the, and I know people who have left it too long, uh, yeah. even in the boxing game. And 
you know, those people should have just given up. Yeah. Ten, yeah. ten fights before they did. Which is what, like, one of the amazing things I, th- when I started having a look at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and am I going to do this at the age of 47? My God, I must be insane type stuff. There's people in their 70s who are getting their black belts in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which is amazing. Um, but it, like you say, because there's no blunt force trauma there, it's just rolling around. They know how to pace themselves, they're looking after themselves and everything yeah. else. Um, it's great. So, yeah, so if you are interested, Jeez, uh, age is just a number. It really is, especially when it comes to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, just make sure that you go down and see your local dojo and say, "Hey, let's give this a crack. Come over, crack at it." So, in ten years' time, where do you see yourself as a as a martial arts or a, a, a martial artist or a martial arts club? What would you like? What's the perfect situation for Prof Matt and Coast BJJ in the in the in the sort of big scheme of things? Uh, big scheme of things. Um, you know, for me, it's about the next generation uh, and sort of the martial arts, like I say, as a catalyst for, for growing good people. And I don't think there's many kids who have come up through jiu-jitsu that I know of that have been doing it for quite a long time uh, that are bad kids. So uh, that's where our that's where our, our focus uh, is. You know, the, the the adults the adults will actually grow organically through the kids that get older, yeah. and we're yeah. already starting to see that now as yeah. our club's starting to mature. Um, but f- but for me, if we can if we can help kids and we can change their lives and we can change their mindsets and get them off uh, get them off their screens, um, then then that is a, a focus. You know, and I'm, I'm already discussing with. Uh, one of the guys up north to, you know, potentially set up something um, a bit further up north, up in Wellsford, within yep. the next sort of 12 months, um, yep. and you know, just doing a kids class as well up there to to start it off because that that's you know that's where our focus should be: building good kids, getting them physically active and off the computers. Yeah, yeah, not wrong either. So in 10 years' time, um, you know. Like, obviously just like to have a club that um, people respect um, that that we you know whether we're getting good competitors out of there or not um, we're more interested in, in building good human beings really yep exactly and you'll still be rolling in 10 years time as well oh, eh? I certainly hope so yeah yeah, yeah. Certainly yeah. Hope so. you don't want to be that guy that sits in the chair and everybody goes oh, I remember him he was a great um, <laughs> which brings me on to the next question it's a question we always ask but more morbid uh, but it's definitely the question we ask day of reckoning's come from Professor Matt and it's the eulogy and somebody's <laughs> delivering the eulogy what would you hope that people are going to say about Matt as a person um, not just Brazilian Jiu Jitsu but just in general what would you hope that they would say uh, on your day because you're not going to be there anyway and if you're listening this is what Matt would like said at his funeral alright so uh, I, I hope that they see that I've done something positive with inside the community yep. um, you know I hope that um, that that the the place is packed with uh, with the kids that I've been teaching over the years, um, you know the ones that are the current and the ones that are hopefully progressed into into you know good people uh, that have come back to to pay their their respects because hopefully I've done something little to change their lives, um, and you know you know I, I try to be uh, relatively funny so yep. people probably remember me for my stupid uh, stupid dad jokes yeah, yeah. then that would be uh, that would be cool too which brings me <laughs> on to the very very last question what's the most stupid thing you've ever done because martial artists are very serious you know they never ever never ever crack a smile or anything else like that when you're on the mat oh, I'm is, not like yeah, that yeah, I'm, exactly. not, I'm, I'm always, always cracking jokes yep. I'm always cracking jokes what's the worst thing that you've ever done or ever seen in the martial arts world like the, the biggest sort of whoopsie moment 
that I've done or somebody else has well, done? Either or. Yeah. E either or done? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I, I did, um, it was pretty embarrassing. I was doing a seminar um, for a friend of ours um, who runs an Aikido club, and every every year he does a bit of a camp and invites in different martial arts instructors to come and, and do their bit, and I did a I did an hour um, worth of, uh, with a jiu-jitsu with his team mm -hmm. and a few others that had gone along and everybody that knows who's done Brazilian jiu-jitsu if you get a knee right on the belly yeah. or you get a bit of instant pressure on the on the guts uh, sometimes uh, you may you may do a little popsy yeah. and uh, so I was <laughs> doing my seminar in front of about 40 people and uh, my son put a, put a bit of pressure on me and oh, ooh, out came a little bit of wind and, and that was quite embarrassing uh, for, for me uh, but you just got to keep trucking yeah that's it <laughs> Exactly right. Just gotta yeah. keep trucking. I remember being in a seminar once, and a man did some rolls, and he must have done about fifteen backwards rolls, and as he went, every single time the pop, <laughs> and then he stood up. He was a Japanese instructor. We're quite rude and said that and now we know about humility and martial arts yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, too, hey, much, yeah. too much miso soup <laughs> you're not wrong so if you want to check out uh, Prof Matt's BJJ club well I say it's his club but uh, as somebody who's only been there eight weeks it really isn't it's probably the closest I've ever felt to being in a family in a uh, in a martial arts club so maximum respect to you for that thanks mate um, but go and have a look at Coast BJJ uh, on Instagram Facebook, just about every other social media platform as well. If Dawn's doing a job, yeah, yeah. So go and have a look at that. Come along, have a give it a crack. Uh, like I said, if you are from a different martial art and you try Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for the first time, you probably find yourself on on your back, wanting to tap out. And like uh, you just said before, the stuff you haven't done, you've, you've done before, hasn't been a waste of time. You've learned some valuable skills Absolutely. from that. Um, yeah, so bring bring that to the party as well. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll see you at the next roll, no doubt. How I wonder what you are.